today's sermon is life's short love memorably life's short love memorably our key scripture to which we will return at various parts of this message including towards the close is from mark's gospel chapter 14 verse 9. this is part of a larger narrative that i will refer to a bit today we will dig in more deeply into the message of these opening verses of uh, Mark 14 and the, and the structure that's going on here with the sandwiching between uh, conspiring to kill Jesus and Judas's betrayal, his decision to betray Jesus, and this incredible account of the woman's anointing of Jesus. But now, one verse at the close of the account of the anointing. Mark 14, 9, Jesus is speaking. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Amen. Life is short. Eternity is forever. Live like it. God is eternal. And you will exist somewhere somehow, forever. The big difference is either you will be with God in his glory, in his holy communion, in true life that is forever, glorifying him, or you will exist forever devastatingly apart from God and God's blessings, and God's communion, and God's glory. You will exist in a way that so horrible we cannot even begin to imagine, even if we look at some of the scriptures that speak metaphorically about what it is to be totally, irreparably, eternally apart from God and the life that he gives. Life is short. Eternity is forever. And today, I want to invite you not only to live like it, but specifically to love like it. To love lavishly. To love God lavishly. To love the Lord Jesus lavishly. And through him and through that love, to bless countless others. Think of it. Saving faith. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish eternally. 
but have eternal life with him forever. And then, of course, as we head into this month of increasingly looking at stewardship and thanksgiving, 1 Corinthians 4, 2, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. So faith, faithfulness, the key, as you can hear from those verses, is love. Life is short. Appreciate the gifts. Love the giver. Life is short. Appreciate the gifts, but love the giver. I went over to the dollar store yesterday to pick up a book for purposes of our message today. And this particular book caught my attention, Living the Dream. Some of you probably already know this, but the dollar store, not everything in there is a dollar. This thing actually cost me $3. But, but I, I liked, can everybody see this? Living the dream. What is living the dream? I don't know what it is for you, but I decided, you know, maybe we should at least take a moment to reflect the way lots of people, maybe most people live. You know, they, um, they're going to learn some things. They're going to walk and run. They're going to have fun. They want success. They definitely want stuff. This whole world seems to be totally absorbed with consuming and controlling and trying to hang on to stuff. Um, they they want to have, you know, relationships that make them feel good. Most people do, right? Relationships, whether that's, you know, whether their predilection for that is like short-term kind of one-night stands or long-term relationships. I don't know. It kind of depends on the different people. Homes, vacation homes, vacations, experiences, shopping, hunting, sports, experiences. And, uh, and then, you know, well, most people kind of like kind of write a whole lot on here and you kind of get to the end of, well, what am I going to do when I retire? Some of you who are retired know that, you know, we don't plan particularly well sometimes for that, but then like, what's going to be like when I get older? And then what is it like? And how do I live when I'm older? And then we start running out of room and, and we're at the end of the page. And for a lot of people, like God's not even written on this page very much. Maybe he kind of fits in with some of the big stuff when I'm in the midst of having my stuff and my fun and my family and everything else. Maybe I can kind of put a little bit of Jesus over to the side to kind of support some of this and pray to him about my stuff and my my success and my job and my income and my investments. And then, you know, we get to the end of the page. And what happens? It's gone. We're dead. Um, this book just begins to show us the rest of the story because, of course, there are many more pages unending in eternity. This is our life here. It's a page. Just imagine these pages go on forever and ever. And, and for a lot of people, there's really nothing written on even the next page, much less 
on down in here and on down in here. How are you living your life? What's in your book? Is it all the front page that's going to get torn out in a few days or a few years? Because this thing's going to go. And it's gone. And all the stuff and all the success and all the things you tried to hang on to and the people you tried to hang on to so you could make it yours. The Bible says we're gone. Life is short. Real hope is in knowing who you are, whose you are, where you're going, and for whom you're living. The scripture is full of this message that our life here is just a vapor. James 4, 14 down some of these scriptures. There's a whole lot more. Yet, do you not know? You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and vanishes. Kind of like a brief fog in the early morning that the sun burns away. Our life is short and it's also full of trouble. Job, Job 14, 1 through 2. Man is born of woman a few days and full of trouble. He comes out like a flower and then withers. And he flees like a shadow and continues not. Man, a shadow doesn't leave much impact, does it? <laughs> it goes pretty fast. And, and you hear this, this metaphor that you hear from me. You know, I quote from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, all the time after I read scripture for you. And you, you get this metaphor building about a whole lot of folks see us and our life as like grass and wildflowers that, that pop up and are kind of nice for a little while and go. David, Psalm 103, 15 and 16, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, like a wildflower. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. Back to that Isaiah passage, Isaiah 40, 6 and 7, and then verse 8. A voice says, cry out, and I ask, what should I cry out? All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flowers of the field. Now, remember, this is the prophetic passage about the Lord himself coming to save us, right? But, but it's putting this salvation in perspective for us, who we are and, and what this life is like. All flesh is like grass and it's glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. You and I are grass. The grass withers. You may not have known that. When I quote this passage, I'm not talking about, you know, cut flowers. I'm talking about uh, the, gra the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord, the word of our God will stand forever. So the scripture encourages us to understand that our life on this earth is short and we need to grow wise about life's brevity, our mortality, and the big picture 
And into all of this, God brings his good news. There's an incredible invitation from God to be, to be with him forever. And that's why I said real hope is to know that you are made in his image and saved through his image come to us, Jesus Christ, to know that you are his now and forever. Do you know that? And to know where you are going. When the page gets torn up, what's on the next page for you? What's on the next page for you? I, I trust and I hope you know if you do not, let us listen together to the word of God and may he speak to you. And I would love to pray with you following this message. I would love to talk to you about where you can go and with whom you can be, whose you can be. In light of who you are, whose you are and where you're going, the issue is what and whom will you and do you value? Not just what you should value, not just what you should do. Yeah, I guess I should do that. And I guess we should go to church and I guess I should give a little bit. But what you want to do, indeed, what you love to do, what your heart's greatest desire is. Is your heart's greatest desire to glorify Jesus and to give to him? That's the invitation of the good news. Let the Holy Spirit change your heart, heart of flesh and of really of grass and give you a heart for divine communion. Life is short, appreciate the gifts, but love the giver. All Saints Day, as I looked over some of our beloved who've gone before us in the church triumphant, I, I remembered some of the stories over the the last year, I, re I remember um, in November, you know, Boswell Kennard ended up not going home to the church triumphant until March 30th of 2020. But in, in late 2019, when Boswell was about 101 and a half, he was convinced and everybody was convinced he was gonna go any day now. And he was weak, he was increasingly weak. Uh, the week of Thanksgiving, on Monday night, Nancy Faith and I were actually uh, at a movie. That was when you could still go to movies, you know, out at the cinema. And we were at a movie, and I got a text from Henry Sue Kennard um, saying, Boswell is asking for you. And so I immediately jumped out. I had seen Boswell a few days earlier. We kind of knew he was on the death watch, really. That's what everybody thought. He increasingly would, would only open his eyes occasionally he would talk occasionally and then he would fade out for long periods of time and he hadn't been eating much and it was just assumed that Boswell was going to die uh, by Thanksgiving around Thanksgiving and I get this text from Henry Sue on Monday night and so I come out of the movie I call her up and say I can I can be there in about 20 minutes tell me what's going on and she said he's just he's fading and he's asking for you he did come too and he's asking for you and so, you know, I went out to, to Boswell's place and I went in there and they, they said, he's, he's kind of back out of it again. He was asking for you earlier. And I went up and held his hand and talked to him and uh, told him Jesus loved him and he, I was here for him. And he, he, he woke up, but he was still a little bit, you know, he was, he was re responding to me, but it was a little bit faded. And uh, then all of a sudden, uh, just got an inspiration from the Lord, I said, Boswell, tell me, tell me about Margaret. 
And his eyes started to light up and I said, tell me the story because I'm not sure you've ever told me the story of when you first saw Margaret. Margaret was his wife for over 60 years, okay? And uh, all of a sudden, Boswell was wide awake, like a young man, it almost seemed like. And he started telling me, it was in that first day, I think it was ninth grade geometry. I forget, it's eighth grade or ninth grade. It's in the early 1930s. You know, he was born in 1918. And he said, I saw her across the room and she was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And I couldn't pay attention to anyone or anything else. And he was, he was so lit up telling us that. And his sons and daughters-in-law were saying, we never heard that before. Life's short. Love memorably. The Apostle Paul says, love bears all things, believes all things, love hopes all things, love endures all things. Love, Paul says, never ends never ends. John says in 1 John, God is love. That if you don't know love, there's no way you can know God. And then John goes on and says, this is love. It's not tit for tat. If you say you love me, I'll tell you I love you. It's not, if you do some good things for me and cook me a nice dinner and do some things I expect you to do for me and make me feel good about myself, then I'll tell you I love you. John says, this is love. Not that we loved God and certainly not that we deserved anything. I mean, we're, we're horrible to God. But he loved us so much that he gave his son as a propitiation for our sin. That's 1 John 4, 10. It's incredible. Paul reflecting on who Jesus is and what he has done for us. In Romans chapter five, he goes off in this, this discourse and he's talking about love, Paul is, and he says, um, you know, no one is going to die for somebody else for, you know, and then he says, no, no, wait a minute, Greco-Roman ideals and virtue and, you know, patriotism and all this kind of thing. Maybe, maybe someone might dare to die for a righteous person. I mean, somebody who deserves it, right? Maybe a real hero would lay down his life to save you, you know, on the battlefield. But Paul says this is incredibly more than that. I mean, infinitely more than that. that. That while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for you, for me, for us. Life is short. Love 
memorably and trust in his memorable, everlasting love for us. Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 8 that, that nothing in all creation, not even life and death, can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus. And so we come back to this little passage that we're focusing on today, which we will dig into more in coming Sundays as we have a chance to really exposit it more. But let me remind you of what's going on. Uh, Mark chapter 14, you turn the page to Mark chapter 14 and you're in the flat out passion narrative of Mark's gospel. Everything is heading very rapidly toward the cross. Uh, the passion narrative is Mark 14, chapters 14 and 15. And as, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, we have this sandwiching going on. The leaders are conspiring about how they're going to kill Jesus on one side of the sandwich. That's one part of the sandwich. The, the, the other piece of bread, so to speak, is Judas deciding he's going to hand Jesus over. And in the middle of that, in the middle of all that evil and gross, you know, incredibly astounding opposition to uh, the very Son of God who has come as the Messiah of Israel. And all these, well, let's just be honest, men who are doing all their power moves to hold on to power and to take down this threatening Messiah, you get an unnamed woman. And she's at least unnamed in Mark's gospel. We'll talk about this more. Could very well be Mary of Bethany, not Mary Magdalene, not Mary the mother of Jesus, but Mary of Bethany. This is in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. We'll come back to him. Maybe a cured leper, perhaps a, 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 somebody who sells other things. It, it kind of depends on, on how you translate a term there. But, but Jesus is reclining at table. Let me make this really clear. In, in the passion narrative, you get two stories of suppers, of Jesus reclining for a real feast at table. You have this one, the penultimate one, and you have the one that we spent a lot of time focusing on, the Last Supper. The Last Supper, the ultimate one, is about remembering Jesus. And shockingly, really, the penultimate one is not just about remembering Jesus. It's about remembering the woman and her lavish love, her gift. So Jesus is reclining at table and this woman um, takes an alabaster container of nard, of pure nard, which we're told is worth 300 denarii, a year's wages. Jesus' apostles seem to be worried about money a lot. Do you all know people who are like that, who want to count up their money and hold onto their money and manage it all? And, and we know from a reference they make back, and you can go back in Mark chapter 6, you may remember this, when I preached on the feeding of the 5,000 men and the other women and children, that Jesus could, um, could have fed 
a light meal, just a light meal, but a light meal to whatever that was, like 10,000 people, because you got 5,000 men and the women and children who are there too, that the, 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 the apostles protest, they say it would take 200 denarii to feed all these thousands, even a basic meal. And of course, they don't want to spend that money for all these poor people who are gathered for the meal. <laughs> and Jesus, of course, then produces the miracle, right, okay, of the feeding. This woman is taking something that's worth more than that, what it would have taken to feed thousands, a year's wages in this little container. And she breaks it open, which means there's nothing going back. Okay, she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't try to screw it. She breaks it open. She is giving everything she has. And this is either her family heirloom or her dowry if she wants to get married. Okay, this is, practically speaking, this is what we're talking about. And she takes it all and anoints Jesus' head, the scripture tells us. Again, if you're interested by this, we'll come back to this on an upcoming Sunday. But, 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 but all the way through, Jesus says she's done a beautiful thing in, 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 in response to all the protest of all his apostles and the other people who are worried about this. You should have done this with this money, given this money to us and let us manage it and invest it. And we would have theoretically given it to the poor. But, but here she is just love without boundaries for Jesus. And Jesus says, she's done a beautiful thing. You lay off of her. In fact, truth is, surely she doesn't know it. But Jesus says, she's just anointed me prophetically by the Spirit of God for my burial. You guys aren't going to do that. And in fact, I'm going to be crucified as a criminal. So this is my opportunity for the Lord to fulfill what he promised me in Psalm 23. He anoints my head with oil. And the Lord does it through this woman who gives, as Jesus said, she did what she had. Do you do what you have? Do you do what you have? Or are you trying to like keep it in some little corner, some little page in the book? Hmm? She lays it all on the line for him. And the incredible thing is, just like daddies and mommies love it when their children are extravagant in their gifts and love and earnestness, Jesus loves this woman and he loves her heart and he loves her lavish, loving gift. And so he says something incredible you know how the Last Supper we do in remembrance of Jesus? There's only one other person that you get that kind of hook language in all the New Testament. And it's for this woman. And Jesus speaks in great commission terms because he knows his mission will prevail. Okay? He says, wherever the gospel is preached all over the world. I mean, that's great commission vision. Jesus knows he's not dying for naught, right? And he also knows, by the way, he's not coming back next week, okay? Right after the resurrection and the ascension. I mean, he's not coming back later that year or a couple of years later. It's clear he has a great commission vision here. Wherever the gospel is preached to whomever, 
all over the world. This will be told. Another surprise. In memory of me? Well, yeah, of course, in memory of Jesus. But he says, in memory of her. Because she loved lavishly. And my father used her to fulfill his love to me as I prepared to be deserted by all you schemers and die for the sin of the world. I want to invite you and I want to invite and challenge myself to open our hearts to love like that, to love memorably. I want you, I want us to be people whom Jesus looks at and says, oh yeah, they did, you did, everything you had. You laid it all out for me. You loved memorably. And oh, oh yeah, I love everybody. I mean, everybody that I die for. But wow, did you see her? Did you see him? Love last. Everything else, pretty much you write on the one page you're given in living the dream is going to die because the dreams of this world don't last. But a dream of love for him and real love for him lasts forever. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. I invite you to join me in prayer together now as we come before the Lord. Father, we give thanks for this great Lord remembrance of brothers and sisters who've gone before us in the faith. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you would sustain us, hold us close to yourself, and Lord, open our hearts to grow in real and passionate, lavish love for you, that truly, Lord, we might glorify you and please you and touch your heart, enjoying you forever. In your name we pray. Amen.